Hello and welcome to The Quiz Kids from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Listen to it, Fizz! Alka-Seltzer for headache. Alka-Seltzer for acid indigestion. Alka-Seltzer for cold distress. Alka-Seltzer presents The Quiz Kids. And perk up your ears, children. Here's today's first brain teaser. Who is known as the Dean of the Cabinet? That, friends, is the voice of Bob Murphy, pinch-hitting for vacationing Joe Kelly this afternoon, facing our substitute chief quizzer, and ready to make this an occasion he'll surely remember, are the Quiz Kids. Uh, thank you very much, Frank Ferguson, and hello, everyone. Yes, I, I think there's no question about it at all, Frank. This will be a memorable half hour in the life of one Father Murphy. Joe's only instructions as he left were, hang on to those cards with the answers, Murphy, and I'm going to do just that. How much good it will do me, we'll soon find out. And now present in class this afternoon, we have a roll call, of course. First, Joel. I'm Joel Kufferman. I'm 12 years old in Volta School in Chicago. And Pat? I'm Patrick Colin Connor. I'm 11 years old and 7B at the Fort Dearborn School in Chicago. Uh, Ruthie? I'm Ruthie Duskin. I'm 14 years old and I'm 3B at South Shore High in Chicago. And Naomi? I'm Naomi Cooks. I'm 10 years old and in the 6th grade at Grover Cleveland School, Chicago. Uh-huh. And Mark? I'm Mark Mullen. I'm 8 years old and I'm in the 3rd grade at the Chicago University of Chicago Laboratory School. Uh, Mark, um, somehow you look different to me today, uh... Oh, it's because you have your hat on, maybe. Will you take your hat off, Mark? Uh, what, uh, what have you done to yourself since last Sunday, Mark? Have you changed your hairdo in some way or something? I cut my hair off short in a crew cut. Uh-huh. What, uh, what, what necessitated that anyway, Mark? Well, I found that it was pretty hard to keep it combed back, so I decided to tra- change. You decided to change, huh? This is the new Mark Mullen look, then, huh? For 1949. I noticed that it was sticking up a little bit around the crown of your head there last week. It's a little more comfortable that way, too, I'm sure, isn't it, Mark? Yes. That's right. All right. All right, now, here's that, uh, repeating that first question again, kids, from Mrs. Ruby Nutt of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, who is known as the Dean of the Cabinet. And I think it was a tie between, uh, almost a tie between Pat and Joel. Uh, how about it, Joel? Well... I think Pat had her up first. Did you? <laughs> There's a little gentleman for you. Patrick? Well, uh, the answer, the dean of the cabinet is the secretary of state, the newly appointed secretary of state who took Secretary Marshall's place named Dean Atchison. Very so good boy. Good cabinet. boy. That's right, Pat. Mr. Dean Atchison, assuming confirmation by the Senate, he will take Mr. Marshall's place as secretary of state on uh, January the 20th. And uh, for sending in that question, Mrs. Uh, Ruby Nutt of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, will receive a fine Zenith Transoceanic uh, shortwave radio for sending her question in. One of those outstanding portable radios is always Alka-Seltzer's reward when you quiz kids answer a question correctly. And when you miss, of course, Alka-Seltzer's reward is the big Zenith radio phonograph combination with a new Cobra Tone arm and two FM bands. Either Zenith Radio is a set you'll be proud to own, friends, so get your questions in. Send them to simply Quiz Kids Chicago. All right, kids, here is question number two. On today's session, this question had Peter Weiss of New York very much puzzled. And he wants you quiz kids to enlighten him. 
Uh, he has heard that there is a kind of cat that can't climb a tree. Now, uh, what kind of a cat would that be? Mark? A cheetah cannot climb a tree because its claws are not retractable and its legs are very long. What is that again? A uh, what did you say, Mark? Cheetah. A cheetah. That's right. It, it has uh, retractable claws, like you say, and it can't get up those trees, huh? Uh, Ruthie, do you have well, something? I think of a, cu a couple of others. In the first place, there's a type of catfish, and then also, <laughs> and then also, there's another uh, type um. of cat which is um, part of the species Homo sapien, which I don't think can climb a tree. <laughs> you mean the ones that wear the hats with all the vegetables on them and all that stuff, there? Huh? <laughs> Patrick, did you have? Well, that? Uh, this may be kind of a pun, but uh, the wildcats who recently won the. Uh, Rose Bowl Championship, I'm sure not all of them can climb trees. And uh, uh, pretty obviously, they Some don't the have retractable kids. claws yes. either, I don't think, that. All right? Uh, here's a, here's a, Naomi, do you have something to add, honey? I don't think a pole cat could climb a tree. You don't think a pole cat? <laughs> I must look these things up someday. Sounds like a splendid way to spend a rainy evening. All right, here's the second part of it. Uh, he found out, too, that there is a dog that can't bark. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Joel? Well, there's, uh, I forget the name. It begins with uh, B-A-N. It comes from South Africa. They can't bark. But I think uh, a couple months ago, one of them astounded the world, and uh, it was nearly uh, practically uh, ostracized when he started barking. But most of the, uh, the uh, all the dogs of that uh, type of too. dogs, except that one, can't bark. Uh-huh. Uh, Ruthie, do you have something to add to this? Well, then, uh, I still haven't, I, I must say, though, that I still haven't got the exact name. Can somebody give oh. me that? Um, I've got two other types. There's the uh, dogwood tree. It has bark on oh, it. Oh, now, let's get away from that stuff now. We had the... Uh, Mark, can you give us the name of this? The one Joe was thinking of is the Basinjis, and there's another dog that it lives in Australia called the Dingo, but it, when it's tamed, it can learn to bark. It but can, the Basenji uh, can't learn to bark. The Basenji never says a thing all life, huh? Well, that's, that's very interesting, uh... You want to get back to that dogwood tree again or something, Ruthie? <laughs> All right, let's go on here, kids. Here's a music question from uh, Mrs. Charles Cole of Russellville, Arkansas. Uh, Howard Peterson is going to play two songs that should suggest geometrical figures. Uh, you are to identify the figures and tell how you would find the areas of them. Understand? Okay, Howard, let's have the first one. <laughs> Anybody uh, know the name of that tune? It, uh, tune I never liked very well, I might say. Uh, you want to give up on the name of the tune? Want to try a little more of it, Howard? Well, I'll, I guess I'm going to have to tell you, it's, uh, You'll pardon the expression, Mr. Five by Five. <laughs> uh, Joel? Well, that'd be a square, so the area of a square is the uh, uh, square of one of its sides. The square of one of its sides. I just checked with the experts down here, and they say you're absolutely right. All right, Joel. Uh, I had diagrams and everything here, but I guess we're not going to need them. All right, Howard, let's have that second one. All right, uh, Pat? What's the name of that? Well, that's, it's only a paper moon. What would that indicate to you? What kind of a geometrical figure? 
Well, uh, is there any that, uh, circle? A moon is a circle. Very good, and, um... I'm afraid I couldn't tell you how to find the area of a circle. Uh, Joel, how about well, that? Well, uh, the area of a circle is, uh, pi, which is equal to approximately 3.141628 times the square of the radius. Very good. Very good. All right, that's very good, uh, kids. Uh, do we call a miss on that? We, get, we didn't get the first tune there. It's a, it's a, is it a miss, or is it a... It's a miss, the man says. It's a miss. So that, <laughs> that means that we're going to send one of those big uh, Zenith uh, radio phonograph combinations are going to Mrs. Charles Cole of Russellville, Arkansas. We got all your problems, uh, Mrs. Cole, but we couldn't remember the name of the tune. All right, here's the uh, fourth one today, kids. Listen very carefully to this question from Gloria Falsetti of Detroit, Michigan. I shall try to describe cities to you by giving you only two words. These two words tell something the city is noted for and also begin with initials, which are the same as the city and its state. For instance, uh, the words watchmaking would indicate Waltham, Massachusetts. You get it? Okay, here's, let's have two out of three on this one. Try this one, for instance, uh, the first one, cattle industry. Joel? Chicago, Illinois. Very good, Chicago, Illinois. Cattle industry, that's right. Here's a second one, and I think this is a little bit harder. Naval vessels. Joel, again. Well, it'd have to... Uh, Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk, Virginia. I thought that was tough, too. Here's the third one. Watch out for this one. Where democracy is centered. Uh, Joel? Uh, Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. Well, we polished that one off in great shape. <laughs> well, our next, uh, our next question is about... Our next question is about royalty, quiz kids, but before we consider it, here is Frank Ferguson. Thanks, Bob. And I'd like to tell our listeners that they'll discover a new meaning for the word fast, F-A-S-T, when they try Alka-Seltzer for relief from headache pain. Yes, Alka-Seltzer's fast action is really amazing. And here's the secret of this amazing speed. A glass of Alka-Seltzer contains one of the world's most effective pain relievers, sodium acetyl salicylate. And because this most effective pain reliever is in solution before you drink it, it gives you the speedy relief you want from headache pain. Just try Alka-Seltzer and see for yourself. Yes, that's all we ask you to do. Try it. Alka-Seltzer will do the rest. Remember, when headache causes grief, misery can be brief. Take Alka-Seltzer for relief. Get a package of Alka-Seltzer at any drugstore. And instead of one, buy two. That's the wisest thing to do. All right, thank you, Frank. Uh, here we go again, kids. Mrs. Lester and Jean of Euclid, Ohio is one of the many people who has been interested in the new Prince Charles, as we all have been. And she has wondered if his father, the Duke, has to walk the baby at night. And that brings up her question. If the Duke couldn't get the baby to sleep and wanted to call on American popular musical groups to play at a lullaby, uh, what bands or combinations might the Duke choose if he selected them on their, their royal appropriateness, the appropriateness of their names? Ruthie? Well, there's uh, Duke Ellington. Very good. And there's the King Cole trio. Very good. Joel, or did she... Well, I was oh, going she, to say Duke Ellington. She pulled the rug right out from under you there, huh? Naomi? Wayne King. Wayne King, very good. Pat? I was going to say Wayne King, too. You were. <laughs> Gee, these girls are real sharp today. Can you think of any others, Ken? We have a few more here. Right here on the thing, I have a few more. Uh, guy, uh... Guy, um... Ruthie? I think there's a Guy Prince or something. There's something with Prince in it. Guy Lombardo is going to hate you, honey. Pat? Well, <laughs> well uh, it wouldn't be Guy Lombardo. Sure, and his Royal Canadians. That's right. Well, oh, you gave yeah. us. Now, thank you, kid. 
All right, kids, Maureen Flynn of Bartlesville, Oklahoma, tells us about a dream she once had when she thought certain animals made different sounds from those they make today. Uh, she thought their present sounds are only abbreviations for what they used to say. As an example, if an animal used to go around saying barium argon, what does he say now? Uh, Ruthie? He says ba. Ba. Why does That's he say ba? That's a sheep. Well, um, barium, the symbol for barium is B-A, and the symbol for argon is A, so that's ba. Very. Ba, ba, black sheep. <laughs> very good. You know the, the, uh, the uh, numbers, the atomic numbers of those elements, uh, Ruthie? Well, I'm not quite sure. I think argon is 38, and... Um, Just a minute, I've got to find argon here. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, no. Uh, well, Pat, you know? well, argon is 18. Very good. And uh, barium is... Um, Let's see, that's number 56. Very good, that's right, And Pat. so that's good. Very good. <laughs> um, here's, the second, here's the second part. If an animal used to say, molybdenum oxygen, what might you hear him say today? Uh, Pat. Well, that's molybdenum, and oxygen is, uh, the symbol for molybdenum is M-O, mm -hmm. and oxygen is just plain old, so it would be a count, he'd say, woo. That's right. And uh, oxygen is number eight. Mm, that's right. And uh, molybdenum. Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. I think that's number 42. You're right on that's the right. nose, Patrick, right on the nose. <laughs> All right, here's the, here's the third part. Uh, this is a lot of fun, this question. If he said... Tungsten, oxygen, oxygen, fluorine. <laughs> what does he say now? Uh, Ruthie? He says woof because tungsten is W and oxygen is O, oxygen O, and fluorine is F. That's right. So um, he's a dog, I guess. He's a dog, that's right. Uh, and uh, oxygen is eight uh -huh. and fluorine is nine, uh -huh. but I don't remember tungsten. Anybody uh, know anything about tungsten here, Pat? Well, uh, tungsten is number 74. Uh... Let's see. Let's go out and come in again, Pat. All right, it's number, uh, let's see. Uh, Joel? 75. Oh, sorry. Oh, wait a second, I was... Pat? Tungsten, well, then it must be 73. Uh, tungsten, Pat, is 47. You were 40. so close and yet so far. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kids, here's a, here's a doozer of a question from Arthur Kaler of Brooklyn, New York. You are to figure out a song within a song. Now, Howard Peterson will play the parts of two songs which you are to identify and then name another song that is mentioned in the one you heard played. Understand that? All right, uh, here's the first one. Patrick? Well, that's God Bless America, and the other song would be America, or My Country Tis of Very good, Pat. I, uh... Our board of experts didn't yeah. dig that one up, but it is very good now that you mention it, yeah. Uh, was there something... Uh, there is another song in there, though, Ruthie. Well, Land That I Love sounds like it might be a title of a song, although I never heard it. No, well, just uh, sing along a little bit here. Uh, you'll run into another one, I think. Who knows the words to, uh, to God Bless America? Ruthie does. Well, there's God Bless America, Land That I Love, Stand Beside Her and Guide Her Through the Night with the Light from Above. Mm -hmm. uh, from the mountain to the prairie to the ocean, white with foam. Uh, God bless me. Oh! oh, oh my home, sweet home. My home, sweet home. Sure. Good. All right. Uh, all right, then here's the second one. All right. 
Joel? Oh, that's Alexander's ragtime band that mentions inside that Swanee River. Swanee River, which Joel? Which is uh, generally called the folks at home. Generally called what? The old folks at home? Yes, but uh-huh. uh, it mentions it as Swanee River. Uh-huh. You kids know Alexander's ragtime band? Patrick, do you? Goes, come on along, come on along to Alexander's ragtime band. Come on along, come on along, let me take you by the hand. And if you care to hear the Swanee River played in ragtime... The least Howard Peterson could have uh, done there is give you a key that you could sing in, isn't it, Pat? (laughs) All right, Mrs. H. Bennett of National City, California, recalls that during the Quiz Kid Best Teacher Contest, uh, Mr. Kelly remarked that what you say is more important than how you say it. Now, she says the opposite is often uh, true, too, that the way you say something can easily change the whole meaning. For instance, if I said, Bob Murphy is today's quiz master, uh, how might you say, well, he's all right? Just those four words uh, with different meanings, of course. Well, he's all right. Uh, Ruthie, how would you say it? Uh, well, you could, you could put uh, the um, emphasis on he, and you well, could say, uh, well, he's all right. Why don't, how would you say it? Well, he's all right. Thank you. In other, words, that, in other words, that somebody else isn't. And, uh, or else you could express doubt. Well, he's all right. Well, now, don't use them all up here. We've got another board here. I, I want to find out how I stand with you kids here today. Joel, if I said Bob Murphy is today's quiz master and, and you were to say, well, he's all right, how would you say it? Well, well, he's, well, he's all right. Mm-hmm. I'm undecided about Joel. Naomi? Well, he's all right. I knew she would. <laughs> I knew she would. Uh, Mark, you look very disinterested in this whole discussion, but, uh, but uh, well, how would you say, well, he's all right, if I said Bob Murphy is today's quiz master? How would you say it, Mark, or would you rather not be quoted? <laughs> uh, Pat? Well, uh, I hope you don't take this as an insult, but he's all right. Uh-huh. Maybe yeah. you don't get it, but... Well, I asked for it. I got it. I got it. Well, we'll, uh, we'll go into this one in just a moment, kids, but first, here's Frank Ferguson again. Yes, Bob, before you ask that next question, let's listen in on this telephone conversation. All right, Martha. If you can't think up some good excuse, tell them the truth. I just can't go tonight. But what is the truth, Joe? Oh, honestly, this is terrible. The Martins are going to be so disappointed. They've been counting on us. You just don't want to go, that's all. That's not it at all. I... Oh, well, if you must know, I was out at noon walking around in all this slush and wet, and, well, I feel as though I'm catching a cold. You mean you didn't wear your rubbers? No, I Well, of all the silly... Joe, I've told you time and again... Now, look, I don't need a lecture. Just make sure there's plenty of Alka-Seltzer on hand. I'm coming right home and start in on that ABC cold comfort treatment. Good for you, Joe. That's a wise decision. And friends, whenever you feel a cold coming on, you'll want to put Alka-Seltzer on the job, too. Here's the way Alka-Seltzer's ABC cold comfort treatment goes. A, alkalize. Start taking it at the first sign of a cold to help relieve that feverish, ache in every bone feeling. B, be wise. Beware of dress. Be sure you dress warmly, ache sensibly, and try to get more rest than usual. And C stands for comfort. 
The comfort an Alka-Seltzer gargle can give the sore throat caused by your cold. You'll never know how effective Alka-Seltzer's ABC cold comfort treatment can be until you try it. And when you do, we believe you'll agree Alka-Seltzer can be worth its weight in gold when you're suffering from a cold. All right, Frank. Uh, well, kids, this question is from Mrs. J. Willis of Los Angeles, California. Sometimes very famous persons have reached their fame through the constant help of a friend. Now, I shall give you the name of the friend, and let's see if you can give me the name of the famous person. Two out of three. The first one is Miss Anne Mansfield Sullivan. Naomi? Well, that would be Helen Keller. Anne Sullivan was her teacher. Is that right? Did you uh, read that book, uh, Naomi, about Helen Keller? No, it was uh -huh. in our reader in school. It was in your reader in school. Well, very good. Uh-huh. Uh, here's the second one. James Boswell. Joel? Well, that'd be Dr. Johnson. Dr. Johnson. How did he help? Uh... Well, he wrote about him. He made him famous. Uh-huh. That's right. He wrote a biography, didn't he, of uh, Johnson. Samuel Johnson. And here's the third one. Chester Gould. Pat? That's, uh, that was the artist, the cartoonist that draws Dick Tracy, so he made him famous. Dick Tracy made Chester Gould pretty yeah, famous, all right. right. That's you bet your life he did. Uh, Mrs. A.C. Messenger of Dallas, Texas, has uh, done a little bit of juggling on this question and wants you to fill in the missing part. If Joel C. Harris had been Beatrix Potter, who would Br'er Rabbit have been? <laughs> Pat? If Joel C. Harris had been, uh, who's, who's, uh... Beatrix Potter. Beatrix Potter. Who would Br'er Rabbit have been? Uh-huh. Well, Joel Chandler Harris wrote the Br'er Rabbit stories. Uh -huh. But who is Beatrix Potter? And that's uh -huh. what I would like. <laughs> that is what we are here to find out, Patrick. Uh, Ruthie, how about that? you know who Beatrix Potter is? Well, all I can tell is that she must be, uh... Uh, she must be a writer or an artist, and, and uh, whatever the answer is, must be one of her brain children or something like that. Well, you're warm, but uh, we still haven't come up with the news yet here. Shall I tell you? Mm -hmm. You give up? Well, Beatrix Potter wrote The Tale of Peter Rabbit. Oh. So who would Br'er Rabbit have been, uh, Joel? Peter Rabbit. Oh, you got me confused here. I got to check. <laughs> Br'er Rabbit would have been Peter Rabbit. Yeah. Is that what you mean? You're right. All right. Uh, if Harriet Beecher Stowe had been Nathaniel Hawthorne, what would Uncle Tom's cabin have been? Pat? Well, now, Harriet Beecher Stowe, that would be the House of Seven Gables, because Hawthorne's uh, story. Uncle Tom's cabin would be the House of Seven Gables. That is absolutely right. Uh, Harriet right, Beecher Patrick. Stowe wrote Uncle Tom's cabin, and Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote the House of Seven Gables. That is absolutely right, Patrick. Well, I'm, uh, I'm very much afraid that's a miss, kids, uh, on the uh, fact that we couldn't remember uh, the first part of that question, so we are going to send one of our uh, radio phonograph combinations, a Zenith, great big $250 Zenith radio phonograph combination, to Mrs. A.C. Messenger of Dallas, Texas, who sent that question in. Uh, Mrs. Al Taylor of New York was trying to locate a certain character in a Shakespearean play the other day, and when she thumbed through the index of her volume, she was stumped when she found the titles of the plays referred to by initials. For instance, uh, the initial C-O-E uh, referred to the comedy of errors. Uh, <laughs> Ruthie, wait for me now, will you? Get two out of three, kids. What play would this be? L-L-L. Ruthie? Love's Labor's Lost. Very good girl. And what would be T-T-G-O-V? Uh, 
Ruthie? The two gentlemen of Verona. Very good, Ruthie. And here's the third one. What is A-Y-L-I? Uh, Naomi? Would that be all's well that ends well? Uh, I'll have to do a little research here. All's well that... No, I'm sorry. A-Y-L-I, Naomi. A-Y-L-I. You've got two out of three anyway, so this doesn't matter. Ruthie? I don't think that is one of Shakespeare's plays. I mean, it doesn't sound like it. Well, it's been one of his plays for about 400 years now. Joel? As you like it. As you like it. Good boy, Joel. Now, let's see if you can get two out of three on this one, kids. For this question from uh, Robert McCulley of Pittsburgh, you quiz kids are to supply the last name of a motion picture star that will fit into the following categories. Two out of three. The last name of a motion picture star that will fit into these categories. First one, Packard, Oldsmobile, DeSoto, and... And the name of a movie star. Packard, Oldsmobile, DeSoto, uh, Pat? Glenn Ford. Glenn Ford, very good. Anybody think of another one that might uh, fit in there? Oh, that's good enough. Uh, Pat again? There is some Nash, isn't there? J. Carroll Nash. That's right. It's spelled N-A-I-S-H, but I understand they pronounce it Nash. They they pronounce it Nash, Pat. That's right. Uh, North Carolina, California, Illinois, and the name of a movie star. North Carolina, California, Illinois, and the name of a movie star. Anybody think of one? Uh, Ruthie? Marjorie Maine. Marjorie Maine. Very good. I thought we were lost there for a minute. Uh, here's the third one. Uh, Sacramento, El Paso, Little Rock, and the name of a movie star. Sacramento, El Paso, Little Rock, and uh, Naomi? Montgomery Clift. Montgomery, Alabama. Sure, fine. Uh-huh. Uh, Ruthie? There's also a Robert Montgomery, too. Robert Montgomery, that's right. Uh, We have a few more here. Real good ones, Pat. Well, you could get George Montgomery also. Montgomery is being well covered here. Uh, How about uh, Joel? Well, uh, Jack Benny is sometimes referred to by Phil Harris as Jackson, so Jackson, Mississippi. That's right. Then we have Walter Houston, Guy Madison, Harry Davenport. Rochester. Oh, we got a lot of them here. All right, kids. uh, Mrs. Lois Pasley, or Paisley, of Easton, Pennsylvania, asks, What's in a name? She indicates that a lot is in a name, for the following names have become famous twice. She wants to know if you can identify these famous men who had the same name. The first one is the name of a general of the cavalry in the Confederate Army, and the other is the name of a movie star who played opposite Joan Fontaine in one of his pictures. The name of a Confederate cavalry general. Joel? Well, the uh, only Confederate cavalry general I can think of is uh, Jeb Stewart. So it would probably be Jeb Stewart. Or Stewart. Uh, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, Jimmy Stewart and and Jeb Stewart. That's right. Uh, There's one more part to this, kids. An American novelist of the 19th century has the same name as an important present-day British statesman. I'm afraid I'm going to have to tell you this. Time's running short. Winston Churchill. Remember, Winston Churchill wrote a book, An American Newspaper Man, and, of course, Premier Churchill, or Prime Minister Churchill, uh, formerly Prime Minister Churchill. Well, I know you youngsters heard that school bell, and that means it's time for the judges to get busy adding up our scores. And while they're doing that, here's a reminder for you listeners. There are 71 more days until spring. 71 more days of winter's woes and cold and snows. Are you taking extra vitamins every day this winter? How can you be sure you're getting all the essential vitamins you need from the food you eat? Don't take chances. Instead, take one-a-day brand multiple vitamins. 
Lack of a daily supply of essential vitamins can lead to a vitamin deficiency and keep you from feeling your best and so looking your best. Don't take chances. Instead, take one-a-day brand multiple vitamins. 60 capsules, two months' supply, only $2. Ask your druggist for one-a-day brand multiple vitamin capsules. And kids, that one we were working on when the bell rang, I'm afraid that was a miss, too. So that means that Mrs. Lois Pasley of Easton, Pennsylvania, is going to receive one of those great big Zenith radio phonograph combinations. Well, now then, quiz kids, the judges have finished adding up the scores, and I'm ready to hand out the grades. Remember, whether you win or lose, you will each receive a $100 security bond from the makers of Alka-Seltzer to help you with your future education. And don't forget, in adding up your scores, the judges have taken your age into consideration, as well as the number of correct answers you gave. They say that as a class, you missed three questions this afternoon. Joel was first, Pat was second, and Ruthie was third. That means you three will return to class, but, but not next Sunday. No, sir, next Sunday, your old quizmaster Joe Kelly will be calling class to order down in Charlotte, North Carolina. As you folks know, the annual March of Dimes campaign to fight infantile paralysis begins January 14th. So next Sunday, January 16th, the Quiz Kids will be doing a special March of Dimes broadcast for the benefit of the Mecklenburg County chapter of the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're looking forward to meeting all you good friends down there in Mecklenburg County. Appearing on this special program, you'll hear Joel Kupperman, Lonnie Lundy, Naomi Cooks, Derese Richmond, and little five-year-old Melvin Miles. I know all you folks want to hear the Quiz Kids March of Dimes broadcast, so be sure to listen again next Sunday, won't you? And now this is Bob Murphy dismissing today's Quiz Kids class. Goodbye, kids. Bye, Mr. Murphy. Listen to the Quiz Kids every week and listen to Alka-Seltzer's News of the World every Monday through Friday on most of these NBC stations. This is Franklin Ferguson speaking. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.